is the Monday, August 30th episode of High Motor by BetMGM. Andrew Doughty and Chase Kitty here with the first of two week one episodes. We have 84 FBS games coming between Wednesday and Monday, starting with UAB Jacksonville State. How many plus FCS FCS games? How many of those? Same ballpark? Oh, I'm sure it's another, you know, 50 or 60. Yeah. But there are more FBS FCS games than there are FCS D2 games, right? Have to be. I've, I've got to think. I mean, I, I saw yeah. that uh, West Virginia Westland is playing maybe like Duquesne or somebody. Somebody yeah, somebody over my way. But I mean, it, yeah, it's there's not a lot of that. Yeah. So that starts with UAB Jacksonville State on Wednesday. We'll talk about that really briefly because the next time we hop on will be Thursday after that game. Then it ends with Louisville Ole Miss on Monday. In the middle of that. Fordham at Nebraska and Chase in the Big Ten episode a while back, probably a month ago, I said that Nebraska under six and a half is a fantastic bet. And when we were breaking down that schedule, I asked you if it was even a lock that Nebraska would beat Fordham. I believe you said yes, you weren't even worried about that game at all. Are you still certain about that? Like, are you still certain that Nebraska will easily handle Fordham? You're so you're like an automatic the the place you want to start this episode with is your newfound respect for the Fordham Rams. Is that what we're doing? You want me to send you a t-shirt? So is that a yes or a no? Yeah, they're going to be Fordham. All right. Nothing I mean, I think Saturday there's a lot of ways for you to celebrate ones. what you described as uh, a freedom celebration without without slandering the good name of the Fordham Rams. I mean, that's just uncalled for. I don't even need to celebrate because I just... I feel like that like everybody has seen it. I, I don't know if Scott Frost's failures over the first three years was getting enough attention. And when you see them go to Illinois, who maybe maybe Illinois is just better than we thought they were. Maybe you were right. What was it, three and a half? You took the over on I that? Think, I think I I mean it wasn't like a play for me, but I when we were going through the yeah. teams, I made the case that an over actually didn't wasn't totally out of the question. Yeah. And maybe Illinois isn't Maybe they're a bowl team. I don't know. But the way that that loss happened with all those mental mistakes, the lack of development that we've seen from Adrian Martinez, they're doing the exact same things that they they did in year one to lose games as they are in year four. I don't think that was realized over the first few years. And that's why I didn't understand that number at all. But yeah, that, that's, that wasn't even me poking anything. I honestly wanted to know because of how they lost that game to Illinois, is that Fordham game still a lock? And you say yes. yes. Yeah. Nebraska's not going to lose to Fordham. Headliners this weekend, Bama, Miami, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Texas, Georgia, Clemson, your LSU, UCLA game. We'll get into some early week one stuff today. How good does that four and a half ticket that I'm holding right now for UCLA look? And we're going to get into that in a second because that number has dropped after that game. They took it down during that game. They just put it back up like a couple hours ago. We're talking here on Sunday afternoon. Uh, but anyway, so we'll get into maybe some early week one stuff today, but come back on Thursday for a deeper dive on numbers that we like. Uh, check out those numbers on BetMGM.com, the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Ping us on Twitter, at HighMotorPod, if you're curious about a specific game. If a number looks weird to you, whatever. Usually we're more than happy to address unless it's a stupid question. But first, you made this comment to me, I think it was on Saturday night or Sunday morning, that... It wasn't a great day of games, which I don't think we were expecting that at all, and it wasn't. We basically had one entertaining game with pretty significant potential coaching stakes and like 
narrative stakes at play there and really nothing else beyond that. But you still believe that some important betting notes came from those games. So before we jump into some week one stuff, what are you taking from a week zero? We had four double-digit favorites, if I'm remembering correctly, comfortably cover, and then one underdog, Illinois was plus seven, also cover comfortably. A lot of unders hit. Like, Where do you want to start with what we learned from even though it was a, a very underwhelming day of games, but you still think we can take some betting lessons from that? Well, yeah, I think before I even get into that, let's also throw out you know, just for just for kicks and giggles, if you were locked into the FCS action, you also saw North Carolina Central win outright as a 15 and a half point underdog. And then uh, a, a pretty, in more ways than one, an interesting game between Eastern Illinois and Indiana State that just had some legendary color commentary. Like somebody's got to cut that up and put it on YouTube. Was he actually on Coke? Did you did you I'm, confirm that? I'm sure he wasn't actually, but it was one of those things where it's like it's smaller FCS football, so really all they have is like an in-house probably former player who's doing color commentary and then sort of like a regional guy doing play-by-play. And the guy he was intense. He was just every time they broke a big play, it was I told you, don't sleep on us. <laughs> and it was it was so great. It was very entertaining. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- those those were in there as well, and th- they were both interesting and competitive games, uh, certainly more competitive than a lot of the ones we saw at the FBS level. So I wanted to shout those out as well. But yeah, as you alluded to, I feel like this was just a great below average weekend in terms of the football we watched and how compelling and competitive it was, but above average in terms of like gambling lesson reinforcement. So I was just jotting down some notes throughout the day. I had a friend over that was watching the football with me. And it just, it felt like every game had like a little nice gambling reminder in it. So with with Nebraska and, and, um, and Illinois, for example, the importance of betting numbers early. We talked a lot about both the spread and the total in that game. And one of the things we said about the total was we kind of liked the under and that you wanted to bet things early. So I ended up taking Illinois plus the seven weeks and weeks in advance. I didn't take the the under 55, but I know a lot of people did. I was on the first half under. But pe- for people that took the under 55, you're sitting there sweating, or you're sitting there not sweating at the end because you got a good number. People that came in late and got the 52 and a half, they are sitting there at the end sweating late and actually needed a missed extra point in the fourth quarter to end up cashing that out. So they were more lucky than on the right side of anything. And that's before you even remember that the Nebraska kicker actually missed a second extra point in the first half. And there was a missed field goal in there somewhere. So if you had under 52 and a half, you just got really lucky like that. You probably should have lost that. But the good number, if you were on the under 55, you felt pretty comfortable the whole time. And I mean, that's in a game that features a defensive score. And in games that have defensive scores, I mean, the over is almost a lock every time. Like you, That's that's just almost an automatic over when you start throwing defensive touchdowns. Well, then you get, I know that at some point they're just football plays, but then you also get to Adrian Martinez, basically a broken play. It's a 75-yard run where somebody didn't hold the backside there. And again, that I mean, football plays happen. It's right. like there are mistakes like that. But yeah, I was holding the under-55 ticket. 
I started to get nervous in the second half a little bit because I think you said you took the over. What was the over in the second half? So, yeah, that was the very next thing I was coming to. It was a classic first half under, second half over game where I had first half under 27 and a half, 27 or 27 and a half, depending on your book. And you got the cash there. And then you come back on the backside and go for the value with the over 23 and a half. And then you get that cash late. So just a classic play of reminding yourself of all of these gambling tropes, especially early in the season where you see slow starts and first half unders, and then the offenses get going late as you start to air the ball out more. There's less time in the clock, so people are playing for faster and faster possessions, and you have more possessions toward the end of the game. First half under, second half over, just an easy couple of ticket winners. So there was a lot there just in that one game. Some of the other notes that I had written down to revisit our last episode where I was saying like uh, UCLA, Hawaii, I was tracking that total and it was coming down and coming down and it kept going down after we posted that episode on Thursday. And I finally kind of realized it felt dumb that it took me this long. I kind of realized eventually why there were so many sharps playing the under on that game. It was a 3.30 Eastern kickoff and I, I had done the math on the UCLA local kickoff, which was 1230. I hadn't really kicked in to the idea that for Hawaii, it was a 930 a.m. kick. And as soon as you turned that game on, it just looked like it was two different teams. And some of that is talent gap, obviously. UCLA is, I think, going to be as good as I thought they were going to be this year. But Hawaii looked like they never even got off the bus. And, And when you think about biological clock, maybe that had a little something to do with it. So... Just factoring in, thinking about all of those different angles of the game, especially sort of like local times. Uh, I, I think another lesson for me, not so much a lesson for me, but a, a thing to emphasize was uh, you're going to miss some games. Like, And the Alcorn State game was a game I was on, and I thought that them laying the 15 and a half was absolutely the right side. And I think I took away from that, hey, Alcorn State's been really good and really consistent recently. But they haven't played in two years. And you might not have ever watched Alcorn State play, but I guarantee you that lesson is going to come into play over the next couple of weeks when we start to have more and more games. And you start to see you know, some Mountain West team that was good in 2019 that you think is still probably good because of their returning production numbers or because you trust their coach or because they've been on a good run recently. And all of a sudden, I mean, they kind of look extremely mediocre. I think that's something to keep in mind. Don't necessarily trust the teams that were good. And then uh, uh, I'm going to give you a chance here to brag on yourself with uh, with the UTEP game and the Fresno game. Those those were nice calls by you. My position was much more, um, I did end up betting the New Mexico State game. It wasn't a big bet, but it, I bet it and I lost that. So there's that. I want to be transparent about that. But in general, like the Fresno-UConn thing was a pass for me. And I was on the, I would have been on the UConn side. Like that's where my lean was, but I clearly was like, Hey, I don't need to be betting this game. I don't, I don't want to be involved in this game. And it's a reminder and it, it's a constant reminder that a lot of people need, including myself is a good pass is just as good as a win. Like you do not need to bet every single game. Pick your ones that you feel good about. I felt great about San Jose state in the nightcap. No sweat winner. I don't need to be betting Fresno UConn. Stay away from the stuff that, that you feel like uh, you're not as, as warm about. And then you bet the stuff you feel good about. 
a good pass is just as valuable as a good lean. And, and that's, I think, something to keep in mind for all of us. I mean, here, Andre, I want to address a few of your points, but then also adding to it, I mean, you've talked so much over the last couple of years about, what do, what do you say, the pros bet the numbers and the squares will bet the teams and how your football brain is constantly battling your betting brain. Usually your betting brain wins out because 90% of the time you're betting the numbers. For the UTEP and Fresno, and you're you're not even necessarily saying that like the football doesn't matter because sometimes you do take a line because of purely football or mostly because of football. That's what I did with the – I didn't take the UTEP game because you did terrify me, but I t- did take the Fresno game purely because of football. If I took the UTEP game, my football brain would have won out on that. That's usually not going to happen. Exactly. I think that, that's, that's that's like the lesson that I'm taking from this. Even though I hit, yes. I placed four bets as well, three bets, and then plus the Nebraska under, which is basically a done deal in my opinion. That's not going to happen very often. I felt really, really good about that Fresno game, so maybe that will happen. If I feel that good about a game, maybe I will hit on that 55 or 60 percent of the time. But the UTEP game, that's why I didn't take it because I was worried that even though I felt like I knew UTEP a little bit. You just coming back at me and coming back at me and coming back at me made me question whether or not I was putting too much emphasis on the football side of the equation. And even though if I would have taken it, I would have won it, I'm not going to go 2-0 and with the football side of my brain winning every single week. So that's yeah. the lesson you can take from it. That, that You need to lower your expectations there. I mean, you say what, pros hit what, like 56, 57% of their games? A good pro games? hits like 58% of the time. Right. So, you know, right. you're so, missing two out of five. The, the people that make money doing this, you're still missing two out of five. The last point, the other game that I bet on was the San Jose State one. I went into last week's show saying that I didn't know anything about Southern Utah. I knew a little bit about San Jose State, but I didn't know anything about this number. And you said it had opened on some different offshore books at 18 and a half. And when BetMGM got it posted as a 21 and a half, I got it at 22 and a half. I listen to you because you know what you're talking about, and I don't. And clearly you were right, because if it opened at 18 and a half, and I think I saw it close at like 23 or 24 It closed at 28. Jesus. Yeah. It, it got really out of control there late. And I actually had a friend of mine who, who bets FCS a lot with me. He actually came back in on Southern Utah late because he just thought, on principle— the line movement was so great that there had to be buyback value on Southern Utah. And I think he was right in principle, but it just turned out, I mean, the gap between these teams is so massive. I I, I went to bed before the game was over because it was so obviously in hand. And I, I think they scored some garbage time touchdowns, but I mean, that, that was a no sweat cover. Uh, I mean, my, my handicap on it to take a victory lap on that one, the handicap was perfect. I was right about them scoring enough points by themselves to get to the over. I mean, not that they literally scored 56 and a half points by themselves, but they really pounded, you know, offensively the game pretty much all evening, got us to the over. So if you took the the parlay, the the over in San Jose State that I mentioned at the end of the last episode, like you hit on that parlay, uh, it just, it, it was, that was the one where I was like, I'm hitting this game. I'm hitting it hard because this is the one that I know. And if you can do that and you can do it accurately, then you'll make money doing this. Anything else? Well, we have some stuff on what we saw and how it's going to apply to week one, I think. But anything else specifically on week zero that you learned? I don't think so. Ready to let's turn talk the page about this, and uh, yeah, let's talk about this buffet. LSU LSU UCLA game. You mentioned the four and a half, so that I think that number opened at four and a half. It was at minus four uh, for LSU before that UCLA Hawaii game. It was taken down fairly common during that game. It was put up. I don't know, 18 hours later or something here on Sunday. Now it's minus three and a half for, for fairly obvious reasons. You can figure out why it went down like that. 
just walk us through this number and has it gotten to a point now where you wouldn't take UCLA? Do you think that too many people are on it? Because if LSU had beat, I mean, I, I think Hawaii is a bad team. Let's say they're a four and eight team, maybe. If LSU had done that to Louisiana Monroe last week and UCLA didn't play, what would this number be? Or if both teams beat bad teams last week, what would this number be? Has this number moved too much because you say it was the only team that was playing and everybody watched a game that they wouldn't normally watch? Just walk us through where you're at with this game, even though you already bet on it. If you hadn't bet on it yet, where would you go with this? Well, in the world of reactionary line movement, seeing is often believing. So I the, the whole reason I took UCLA four and a half a couple weeks ago when it was available was because I saw that UCLA was going to play week zero. And that meant there was a universe where they won big and then the line, or, or maybe even they didn't win big, they just won. And because it was a data point that was there for people to react to, for people to read into, and oh man, that look at the yards per carrier, oh man, look, DTR looked good, or you know whatever it is, whatever people wanted to read into it, the fact that they had a data point and LSU didn't meant that the line was probably going to move closer to being a pick. Close, uh, you know, against UCLA, against uh, getting value with UCLA, I mean. Uh, so that's why I bet it early because you can see this stuff coming. I think we even talked about it in the preseason. Like, look at how things might unfold and strategically bet around that. So that's why I ended up having that ticket early. Was the example of that conversation we used, I think it was like, if you think an upset is going to happen, and we, I think one of the examples we used was this Louisiana-Texas game because then Texas goes and plays Arkansas. Like based upon we we think that Louisiana is a great shot to win that game, right? And then if you like this number, I don't have a pull up in front of me. I think Texas is like minus four at Arkansas. If you think Louisiana is going to win that game, that game for the that line for the Texas Arkansas game is going to shift unless you think Arkansas is going to lose to Rice this weekend. Right. So use what you think and then apply it to that next week, and that's exactly what happens here. Even though LSU didn't even play in week zero, right? And to to take that to its natural conclusion. Like if you like Arkansas in week two against Texas, if you think Texas is being overvalued, you better bet that Arkansas line now. Because if Louisiana wins, that line is going to go into the tank and you're not going to be able to get as good a value with Arkansas after that. So there's a lot of reactionary stuff in these first couple of weeks because there are very few data points. And so the information that we do have is sort of overblown versus you know when we get to week eight or week nine, you don't really have as much reactionary line movement after a game because one team winning or losing and the difference between six and two or five and three isn't going to massively shift the line one way or the other for the next week. So like if you if you watched UCLA this past Saturday and you liked what you saw and now you're going, hey, I think they could uh, you know I, I think they got a good shot against LSU. I might want to get in here. I mean, you're still getting three in the hook right now as it is. So you can still bet UCLA, but obviously the smarter thing to do would have been to do it before this game. And that's something to keep in mind for the future is how can I best position myself? How can I get in on a stock before that stock starts to explode? Would you still take this at three and a half? Yes, because I I mean, I think they can win. So if I'm getting plus three and a half and you're still on the right side of that three number, if you're looking at at taking the underdog with UCLA, I think they can win and you're getting three in the hook 
So yes, I would still take it at three and a half, but the difference between four and a half and three and a half is not insignificant. So you have lost some value, but I'd still probably take it if you like it. So right now, UCLA plus 125 on the money line, LSU minus 150. From what I'm understanding, you're not. I'm not sure that you're totally comfortable taking UCLA at plus 125 because, like you mentioned, three and a half to four and a half is, is fairly significant. And then if you're shaving off another three and a half, even though you're high on UCLA, the drop in value from minus 110 on the plus three and a half to plus 125, you don't see that as probably enough to be picking UCLA outright. Obviously, you already have a position on this game. If you didn't for whatever reason, you're not sure that 125 is is totally the right play here is what I'm picking up? Yeah, I mean, I, I in general am not a guy who bets a lot of football money lines. Like I it's it's usually some sort of special circumstance if I'm if I'm taking an outright underdog winner because I like the aspect of having the insurance of the point spread. So in terms of ROI, if I'm looking at like a normal VIG of of minus one ten versus their money line of plus one twenty five, that's not enough extra return for me to give up three and a half points especially considering how often the three-point spread comes into play. Like it's, we, you know, it's, it's regularly talked about in gambling circles. That's the number one most important number when you're betting football is three. It's the mo- majority, not the majority of time, but the most common number for football games to end in is a three-point differential. So to get the plus three and a half, that's a huge thing. And I would need more than like a little bit more return on my principle than to give up the whole three and a half and expect UCLA, UCLA to win outright. So that's that's not something I'm really interested in just on principle based on how I handicap. That's not specific to this game. It's more of a broader thing. Let's talk about the first game of week one. I mentioned that week one starts on, on Wednesday. So it is, what is that, a six-day week we have? Wednesday through Monday's uh, Louisville Ole Miss game. Wednesday is UAB Jacksonville State. This is not available on BetMGM.com and the BetMGM Sportsbook app yet but from what i've told it it should be available by monday night tuesday morning so that gives you worst case scenario you know 35 36 hours to get your bet in betting on this game what should people look for in this game from especially for those that don't follow jacksonville state from an fcs perspective what number should they potentially look for where do you think this number will sit at and potentially jump on or will this ultimately be a pass for you Yeah, Jacksonville State has a history of playing FBS opponents tough, so I think that's the first place you want to start. Uh, Right now, from what I've seen at other books, the number's around 14.5, so I'm expecting BetMGM to open their number somewhere around 14.5 with a total of 47.5. Maybe it's a little more, maybe it's a little less. We'll find out when they post the number. But that's around the ballpark I'm expecting. Uh, At that number, like I said, haven't finished the handicap yet. But I think I probably lean Jacksonville State. Uh, I would probably lean toward the under. I think this is a low-scoring game. Jacksonville State, the sort of the scouting report for them as an FCS program is they're a big transfer destination. Lots of lots of kids that go to Alabama, go to Auburn, go to Georgia. It doesn't work out. They don't get the PT that they were expecting. They transfer to Jacksonville State. So that is very much the recruiting approach that that program has. Is Yes, they get their own recruits, but they are very, very active. Even pre-transfer portal era, they were very active in landing former SEC players. Uh, it doesn't necessarily always translate to how good they are in the field or how much success they have uh, in the FCS world, in the FCS playoffs, but they have a lot of pretty high caliber athletes for an FCS program. 
So that, I think, is why they are able to hang so well in these FBS games is because in terms of the caliber of athletes, oftentimes they have better players in terms of raw athleticism than some of the G5 schools that they might play against or some of the you know, some, even some of the P5 schools that they might play against. 14 and a half, I would think about taking Jacksonville State there, but like I said, haven't finished my handicap. I do expect it to be reasonably competitive and probably low scoring. I need to get into what, what UAB is going to look like. Uh, I know we were both really high on them going into 2020, and I don't want to say we were disappointed, but I, maybe we expected a little bit more from them. So when I when I get fully into the handicap, then I'll, I'll probably uh, I'll probably have like a final position that I'll post on Twitter for people. Yeah, that's an ESPN game, uh, 7:30 Eastern time. I mean, even if you do pass, you'll probably tweet that out from Chase A Kitty on Twitter, right? Absolutely. Yes. Cool. So Thursday, then we get into Thursday after that one game on Wednesday, uh, 17 games there. We still have, and then we have another, I don't know, eight or nine games on Friday and then 60-ish uh, Saturday, one on Sunday, one on Monday. I have a couple early leans here. Haven't gotten too far into it. Anything attracting your attention right now? I mean, honestly, I haven't even, I haven't even gotten into Thursday stuff yet because it's just like, I'm, I mean, I'm still doing like baseball handicaps for tonight, for Sunday night. So that's uh, that that's stuff I'm going to start to look into Monday. But I'll tell you that the only real thought that I had at this point was, wow, there are a lot of Thursday and Friday games. Yeah. Uh, and historically, what I have liked to bet on Thursday and Fridays are weeknight unders. Like Tom Fornelli tweets about this a lot. I tweeted about it a lot. Like It's not as applicable with week one. Because generally you're you're sort of betting on a lack of offensive cohesion on a short week, and the short week doesn't really apply when it's week one. But it's something I want to look at. It's also something I want to look at because it feels like the last couple of years this could be anecdotal, but it feels like it hasn't cashed as well as it used to. Because it used to be like a great winning percentage, and it feels like that's regressed a lot. So that's something I, I'm going to definitely be looking for when I start to do my breakdowns here, probably later tonight or tomorrow. On that note, glad you brought that up, and this isn't something that I've taken yet or I am certain I'll take, but I'm, I'm going down this road. The total right now for Ohio State-Minnesota is 65.5, and, and we'll we'll come back here on Thursday, even when the episode drops on Thursday. There's still plenty of time to, to take any position that you want uh, on this game or any other Thursday game. 65.5 right now. It's only a few points below Boise State-UCF, which is a sneaky good game in Week 1. Would you agree? <laughs> Uh, that pissed me off so much for, for people that don't realize what Andrew is referencing. Uh, Desmond Howard on, on game day said, UCF Boise State, that could be a sneaky good game. Like It's like we're in the nineties and that game's not even on TV and he's saying, Hey, Hey guys, look out. Hey, for these two little known programs, it's just very like Michigan elitist classic Desmond Howard. Like it's, it's like one of the biggest head, one of maybe the ten biggest headliner G five games in the last decade. But yeah, it could be a sneaky good game, Desmond. <laughs> Anyways, Ohio State Minnesota. I'm leaning toward the under right now, sixty five and a half. I think the Gophers are just going to try to completely shorten their game. This isn't a run it down your throat kind of team, but with the personnel they have in the backfield up front, their defense just can't run with Ohio State. I don't think. I don't think they can slow things down against that offense. I think they're going to try to do it on, on their offense. I mean, especially keep an eye on the injury report too. Chris Oppenbell from the from the Gophers, the number, number one wide, wide receiver. If he doesn't play or if he isn't 100%, there is, this team doesn't throw the ball 30 or 35 times 
in any game. They didn't even do that when they had Altman, Bell, Rashad Bateman, uh, and Tyler Johnson on the team. So they're not going to be throwing the ball 30 times. If they get down like 14-0 early, sure. But I'm, I'm just more confident that that doesn't happen than it does. So keep a close eye on this total. I'm curious if it will move. I just don't know which direction it would move. So that's an early lean for me. Also watching NC State minus 18 versus South Florida. We talked a little bit in the G5 episode. I like the South Florida under three and a half. And you explain why South Florida was going to lose to now that they play uh, Florida A&M. Florida, I think. Florida A&M. You explain me why they're going to lose to Florida they A&M. They me more confidence. That's in yeah. play. So that's an early lean for me. Uh, but yeah, again, we'll come back on Thursday morning and break down, I mean, as many games as we can get to in, in 40-something minutes. Shoot any messages to us on Twitter at High Motor Pod, at Chase A Kitty, or at Dowdy Jam. We'll get to those. Anything else to, to kind of wrap up week zero before we head into week one? Well, I mean, not week zero, but you, you brought up Minnesota, Ohio State. So I do feel like I had to ask uh, because you know more about the Minnesota stuff than I do, uh, being that you're in Minnesota. That to me on paper looked like an interesting opportunity to bet Minnesota because. It just Ohio State's breaking in a ton of new players, and it's a conference opener, so you know that PJ is going to want to get it. But also, it's a look-ahead spot for Ohio State. Even though they have to go on the road to a Big Ten right. West opponent, I would think there's some look-ahead potential with Oregon coming to Columbus in Week 2. So I'm wondering, that seems like a lot of uh, sort of secondary things that, that might point toward Minnesota. I haven't done my research on the game yet, but it, it feels like that could be a spot for Minnesota. It seemed like you were sort of leaning in the opposite direction. Like, I would not be looking at Minnesota here. So, what is that, I mean, is that a I, I fair would, assessment? I would be, it's a fair assessment. I would be shocked if I took either Ohio State at 14 or Minnesota at 14. I'd be, I would be utterly shocked if I sat down on Thursday and ended up taking this number, no matter if it moves or not one, one direction. If I had more confidence, and like the Gophers front seven, sure. I'm just not convinced that they can hang with them defensively for 60 minutes of this game. That's where the football part of my brain is winning 100% of the time on this one. So I just don't have enough confidence on that. I'm pretty confident that the Gophers can run for 200 yards in this game and control the ball for 38, 39, 40 minutes. And I'm taking that side of the equation here, and, and I would be shocked if I didn't take the other. I might even take that now, 65 and a half. Again, I don't know which direction this is going to move, if it does move at all, but I agree with you. I think if you're taking one side here, I don't know how you can take Ohio State 14. And I think this number actually might move toward Minnesota quite a bit as as Ohio State gets a little bit more attention leading up to the game, their first game week. Everybody realized that, hey, maybe this defense isn't elite in the Big Ten. Maybe we're a little bit worried, even though you have a lobby coming back at receiver and some other weapons, that... Maybe Stroud just needs a game or two to get into the swing of things. So I think your assessment is fine. I just don't have enough trust in this Gophers defense to keep. Could this be a 41-28-ish game? Sure. But this could also be a 41-20 game. So I, I'm just not not quite there yet at all. Would you rather have Minnesota plus 14 or Minnesota plus 7 for the first half? Is that what it is? Uh, I don't see a first half line posted yet. But I imagine because it's 14, it'll be around seven. So assuming you get seven or seven and a half, which which one of those would you rather have? I have to take it. Yeah, if you're taking it, which I, I'm just trying to gauge 
Like, do you think it's a better where where the advantage might be if it's a first half thing, if it's a slow start? Yeah, thing, I'm probably taking a... seven, and and that I think I'm banking that the Gophers get the ball first, maybe, and they have one drive of eight or nine minutes in that first half. But like either way, I'm not. If this is like if the first half ends up being Gophers eight, which I think might might be aggressive, but if it's like eight, I think I would consider that. But I mean, you hate when I ask you these questions, where right? I just give you two options and say you have to take one. I do. I so I I do hate them, so I like giving it back to you every once in a while. Under sixty-five and a half, might have to take that right now. That Anything seems else, pretty right? high for week one on on the Extremely road. High. Ohio State breaking in a new quarterback. That seems pretty high. Anything else? Nah, let's get out of here. Yeah, come back on Thursday. That'll be available when you wake up uh, Thursday morning. Plenty of times, like I plenty of time, like I said, to get any bets in. Before those Thursday night games, 16 or 17 games on Thursday. The first one being that Temple-Rutgers game. Citadel-Coastal Carolina coming after that, huh? Woof. Check out those numbers on BetMGM.com. The BetMGM Sportsbook app. Uh, tweet at us, at Pod on Twitter, or one of us directly, at DowdyBetMGM or at Chase A. Kitty. We'll add it to the agenda for Thursday's episode. And then the following week... We'll sprinkle in some NFL stuff. We're back on Thursday and then one week from today for the start of NFL Week 1. Thank you for listening to High Motor by BetMGM. You have a fantastic week.